You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, DeAndre Hopkins found himself a new home. He's going to the Tennessee Titans, for those that care. Um, I don't. <laughs> but it's news, man. It's news. Stuff is happening in the world, and it's, it's, uh, it's a thing. Anyways, I want to start off kind of actually where we left off yesterday. Um, kind of a... Yesterday talked a little bit about kind of how I see things, right? A lot of... I'm having a hard time moving forward because I don't know what happened in the past. It's hard to assess where are we at because I don't know... You know, one of the most common questions that anybody's going to get, myself included, is how much is the offense going to change? What's going to change with the offense now that Matt LaFleur has complete control of the offense? And I cannot answer that question because I don't know how much influence Aaron Rodgers had. Was it 5%, 10%, 50%, 90%? It makes a massive difference. If it was Matt LaFleur's offense that we've seen this entire time with minor tweaks because of Aaron Rodgers, then there's not actually going to be that much difference. Not nearly as much as everybody's expecting. If it's 50% Rodgers, it's going to change kind of a lot. If it's 75% Rodgers, it's going to be unrecognizable. But I don't know the answer to that question, so I don't know where to take things from here. There's a lot of reasons I can't give any answers, but that's one of them. And trying to understand what happened in the past has been a very slow process, but the picture's starting to come together a little bit. And yesterday, there were a couple points that kind of illuminated that, right? Looking at the quarterbacks thing on Netflix and seeing what the Chiefs did and getting an understanding of, okay, this is a picture of a winning franchise. And this is a picture of what we had. That gives you a little bit of a picture. Then there was the whatever relationism thing, which is more of just a, a way of viewing things, but it, it kind of put things into perspective for me. It's kind of what I've been saying, but it's, it's nice to say, okay, here's something concrete I can sink my teeth into, even though it's soccer. It's still a, a known, understandable concept. I want to kind of continue on that because, as I've said, there is the podcast called The Play Callers. Um, I finally got a little bit further. I have finished episode four. And it's the first time we got a very little glimpse of Matt LaFleur and the Packers, but all they really did was mention it and then move off it and go back to Sean McVay for the entire thing. But the little bit that they did mention, I thought was kind of perfect timing because it 100% ties into this entire problem that we're having, which is trying to understand what we just watched, what we just witnessed. And again, what did I say happened? We started a rebuild in 2019, and we were moving in a direction of out with the old and in with the new. Rodgers goes on to be the MVP, elite, elite, elite among the elite. And so we have to push pause on this plan to start completely over. Not only can we not move on from Rodgers, but we can't move on from any of the guys that he has in place for two big reasons. Number one, we're, we're, we're pausing it. We don't want to start tearing this down and rebuilding because then what the heck is the point of keeping Rodgers? Right? We have the potential to actually win right now, which it seemed like after 2018 we did not. Suddenly, everybody wakes up and gives a crap. Wow, look at that. Okay, great. Okay, well, then let's try it. But also, again, the whole relationism thing. It might be easier to move on from players and get different players if we're dealing with space, if we're dealing with finding players that can operate within the system, within the scheme, but that's not how Aaron Rodgers operates. He operates with, I have a good relationship with this guy. This guy is a superstar, I'm a superstar, and we're on the same page, and so we are unstoppable by ourselves. To hell with your plays, we're going to make it work. So you have to keep that tight-knit little community together. And that was the focus. Finding, keeping players that worked for Rodgers, and even bringing back players. So, you know, why didn't we get better wide receivers? Well, because Rodgers wanted Lazard, and he wanted Randall Cobb, so we went out and brought him back. It was all about just his ecosystem. 
But anyways, I wanted to talk about this. They they had very briefly mentioned how, you know, Matt LaFleur had gone on to take on a challenge, which was different than everybody else's because, you know, they had a superstar quarterback in Aaron Rodgers. So here is where that picks up. Quite frankly, that first year, it, it was there was a, a big learning curve. Much like L.A., when we came in, the playbook that we came in with did not look anything like the one that we ended with at the end of that 19 season. But um, we were fortunate, obviously, to come in to a situation with we had some legit players. I mean, obviously, Aaron Rodgers was he's pretty damn good. Devonte Adams is arguably playing at the, as good as any receiver in the game over the last five years. And we had a unbelievable. We had a really good offense line. The bottom line is we found ways to win games, and it wasn't always sexy on offense. After 2019, LaFleur and some of his assistant coaches took a dive back into the offensive system with Rodgers. Unlike Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan when they started their head coaching tenures, LaFleur's identity as a head coach wasn't really about the scheme he ran. It was about compromise. It was myself, it was Aaron, it was Nathaniel Hackett and Luke Getze. And we did all this over Zoom. And we would spend hours going through every concept that we thought we wanted to run and why we wanted to run it, getting feedback from Aaron. And, you know, some he didn't like. And we just said, all right, let's cross that one out and go on to the next one. And, but we definitely had a much better understanding of why we were calling it, why we liked it, what we were trying to attack, and what we didn't like it against. And then found out specifically what he felt the most comfortable with because I do think if the guy in the huddle the guy that's calling the play if he feels comfortable and confident in the play call those guys those other 10 men in the huddle can feel that then you get a lot better chance of having success so there was a lot of compromise and I think that's that really helped us in that 2020 season and I mean, we were, I, can't, I don't know if we were number one, but if we weren't, we were right there, you know, as one of the best offenses in the game and won a lot of games that year. And, you know, and I'm still pissed that we did, didn't win at all. But it's just, that's the, the competitiveness in, in all of us. All right. So here are essentially my takeaways from that. Number one, the uh, speaker started off by saying, unlike Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay, it wasn't just a technician, a uh, wizard going into his lab and coming up with this scheme that is just unstoppable. This, this way of manipulating our players and manipulating their defense to force them to move out of our way so we can put guys in space and then attack that space. That's still the general idea, but it was different insofar as there needed to be compromise. And the biggest problem that I have with all this, and we'll get to the second part of, of him saying, you know, it's good that we had his buy-in, which is true, but still not a positive. Um, the biggest problem I have with this is, this is not just a collection of plays. You can't just rip through random plays, and then he goes and says, I don't really like that one, and so we start throwing them out and all that stuff. This is a system. That's why they call it a system. It's like an ecosystem. You can't just eliminate one of the animals from the ecosystem and expect everything to just continue on. It, it disrupts the entire ecosystem. It also makes it very hard to be a coach to go in and put in all these hours, like the other coaches have the luxury of doing, to go in and say, this is my system. And you think for one sec... I mean, listen to Kyle Shanahan and what people say about him. Even... Uh, Who's the Jets head coach now that the guy was defending? He went out and said, flat out, the guy's an alpha. Like, even he didn't want to mess with him. Can you imagine Jimmy Garoppolo going and saying, I don't want to do that? Kyle Shanahan would have freaking drop kicked him right in the teeth. There's no way anybody's going to tell him how to run his offense. That's never going to happen. And so it has the opportunity to grow and, and, and be a fully-fledged system that has all the different angles and abilities to attack all the, all the different things without having somebody just throwing a wrench in it saying, I don't like that one, I don't want that one, I don't like this, I don't like that. That is a negative. It is a hindrance. The best way for this to work, for this system is to work, is to allow it to be a system, not just a collection of plays, which features, you know, what whatever the superstar likes best because it's 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 again a system on one side 
and a superstar trying to run this like a superstar team on the other side. And that puts it into conflict. Now, again, he said, well, I think that was overall a good thing. Yes, it is the, it's overall a good thing to have buy-in from your quarterback. But what, what exactly did he say? If you get buy-in from the quarterback, then you get buy-in from everybody else. So what is the inverse of that? If I shove a play down Aaron Rodgers' throat, he throws a hissy fit and says, this is stupid, this is a garbage play, you get no buy-in. So it's the right thing to do to compromise and say, okay, I'll take that out. Okay, I'll take that out. Because it's better to run a less, uh, less than ideal offense with full buy-in than to try to cram down what I think is the actual best way to run an offense and have Rodgers over there saying stupid effing play. And again, I genuinely do think that this is, this is a less than optimal way of doing things. I think in 2010 we were very, very good because we allowed Rodgers to do what he did, do what he does. He was playing at his absolute peak, which according to him was largely because of Jordan Love, and he was pissed and he wanted to show everybody that they were wrong and stupid. And he and Devontae were just an unstoppable force with the, with the help of an incredible offensive line, incredible running backs. And that's just what it was. But again, the issue with that is that the offense is centered around Aaron Rodgers. And when you get into 2022 and Aaron Rodgers has an injury slash doesn't give a crap anymore because he's got his contract, he doesn't really like playing football anymore, he certainly doesn't like the organization, the entire thing crumbles. And so that is essentially where I think things will differ. On a play-to-play bait, like, is there going to be more 12 personnel? Are we going to run the... I don't freaking know. It's whatever Matt LaFleur decides is going to be best. I don't know what that's going to look like. That's going to have a lot to do with what what's working in the NFL today, what kind of defenses are being deployed, what kind of defense we're going up against week one, right? What what do they run and how, how best to attack it? That's what they're going to focus on. I don't... I don't know. I don't care. It's it's going to change. It's going to adapt. At least it better. That's the whole point of all this. Not to just say he's a guy that likes to run. He's a guy that likes the big bodies. And so we're going to see a lot of tight ends and a lot of running because that's his style. No, his style is to attack defenses. His style is to say that linebacker is standing where I want to throw it. So I need to get him to run the out of that area and then fill one of our guys in that area so that we can throw in that area. And then have a quarterback who can go, okay, here's the plan. We're running this play so that we move that linebacker, so that we can throw to somebody. So as soon as I see that linebacker bail, I'm going to be at the top of my drop. I'm going to throw the ball. There's going to be a wide receiver coming around the corner. He's going to go into that area. If the linebacker doesn't bite, I'm going to come to the top of my drop. I'm going to throw it over that linebacker to the guy that's behind him. That's it. That's the whole thing. Quarterback understands the design of the play and why we're doing it. He knows exactly where to look. He knows how to attack space and how we're trying to create space and how to manipulate space. It's not about, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out and just find my super, like Dobbs is my dude, boom, I'm throwing it to him no matter what. It may come down to that at times, right? If things aren't working or you go through your progressions and, hey, there's nobody there, that guy's not open, he fell down, whatever, we got to continue through and, yeah, maybe I'm going to give my guy a shot. I'm not saying those things aren't going to happen, but that's not designed you're not going to see as many hand signals to, to Dobbs saying, hey, just do this, and then no matter what, I'm just going to throw it up to you. Like we saw from Rodgers, whether that was to Lazard or MVS or Devontae, throwing to Devontae in triple coverage instead of a wide open, who is it, Lazard or whatever. That's, that's the idea. There is a play, and it's, it's being called for a reason. I need to know what that reason is, identify based on what the defense is showing, where my opportunity is, and then attack it. Anyways, that brings me to the second um, thing that I wanted to highlight in this podcast. Mina Kimes is talking about the 49ers and their quarterback situation. Um, And again, it ties in very heavily to where I think we're headed as opposed to where we came from. Now they're at a fascinating point where they've apparently decided to go with a quarterback in uh, Brock Purdy who operated the scheme. He operated the system, did it really well. He also, you know, could make a little plays here and there with his legs and stuff, but and create. But it's not saying the scheme wins because I think San Francisco is so unique in their assortment of skill players. And I think it's more of an acknowledgement of the combination of this, you know, group of monsters and the scheme and a quarterback who can just run the scheme, who can run the system. That's enough. That's working for us. And they might be right. It's- All right. So there you go. Now, 
everybody wants a superstar. Nobody's saying, I just want some subpar Brock Purdy robot. The, the 49ers would kill for a uber-elite, talented guy that can also run the system. That's why they you know, put a lot of uh, capital into Trey Lance. That was their goal with Trey Lance, is all the different cool things they'd be able to do with him, with his legs and just his ability to execute the scheme as it was. So I'm not trying to say, you know, we're going to be great because Jordan Love is mediocre and that's going to be better for us. Well, all I'm really saying is we need to get away from this idea, which seems to permeate throughout not just Packer fans, but everybody, especially outside of Packer fans, that is, you don't have Rodgers now, therefore your team is going to be worse. Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers really had a hard time beating the 49ers. We never faced a 49ers team that had better quarterbacks. We had Aaron Rodgers. They certainly did not. And so what she said is the 49ers have a scheme. They have talented playmakers, which is true. And then they have a guy at quarterback that just knows who to throw it to and where. And if you go watch, if you don't believe what I'm saying is true about the scheme and think it's, well, it's just because they have these elite players, bullcrap. Go back and watch Kurt Warner's breakdown of Brock Purdy. Every single throw was to a wide-open guy 25 yards down the field, and it was like the same play every single time. Now, I'm not trying to knock, you know, Kittle or whatever, because he's a great football player. But I think sometimes we call great football players great football players, potentially, that maybe wouldn't be great football players in different situations. Maybe they would, I don't know. But I know that a lot of guys get a lot of credit because of their fantasy football numbers. And... Without having watched all the 49ers games out there, and, and, and I'm sure he's done some incredible things, but if these guys are being hailed as elite football players simply because they're wide open 25 yards down the field, then I think that's bunk, and I think it's garbage. Now, I'm, I'm guessing that's not the case, but I'm telling you, go watch it. Kyle Shanahan gets guys wide open. So... Yes, the, the, the scheme is the most central component. Finding ways to attack space. Creating space, putting one of our guys in that space, and throwing it to that guy. And that's what we're doing. And then, on top of that, if we can get better football players, especially yards after the catch guys, like Debo Samuel, right? I'm going to get you the ball, now you go get more with it. Right, there's, of course, we want better offensive linemen. We want better running backs. We want better wide receivers. We want better quarterbacks. You always want better, better, better. But the core idea here, what I'm trying to say, is that we're shifting away from the idea of we win because of our superstars. We win because we have Rodgers, because we have Bakhtiari, because we have uh, Devontae Adams, and shifting toward, again, a lot of what you saw with the, the Patriots. And that's not to say Tom Brady isn't, isn't a great quarterback, but he was great with his ability to attack defenses. That was it. There was an open guy. He knew exactly who that open guy would be, and he threw it to him. And, and, and most of the time, he didn't have elite wide receivers. He didn't have, you know, he did have elite tight ends. But it didn't matter. And it's the same with Kansas City, right? Of course they win because of Pat Mahomes and because of Tyreek Hill and because of Travis Kelsey. But what happens when they lose Tyreek Hill? They keep winning because... Although, yes, we have playmakers, we also have a great play caller, and we have a guy that can execute the scheme. And if we can get everybody on the same page and get people to continue to keep playing and doing what they need to do, right? MVS is not as good as Tyreek Hill, but can you just freaking get to that spot when I need you to get to that spot? If so, you'll be open and I just need you to catch it. If not, we still got Travis Kelsey all day long. So at this point, it really just comes down to our guys being able to execute it, right? Because they're all very young and they're all very new to this. Now, Jordan Love has been in this for a long time. I think we saw a pretty good view of this uh, against the Eagles in a very condensed period of time. But it really is just going to be how quickly can we get guys up to speed, right? I mean, this is Christian Watson's second year learning how to do this. And, and again, last year, you really were kind of like, like, like we've heard a thousand times, you had two playbooks. You had Matt LaFleur's and then you had Aaron Rodgers. So whatever these major changes might be, I don't know. You got to get caught up. 
Same with Dobbs. Reed, it's year one. Musgrave, it's year one. Kraft, it's year one. And so in reality, if, if we're being realistic about this, it's entirely possible the Packers are a very good team. It's entirely possible the Packers are a good team early on, but it's also somewhat unlikely. Because not only do they have to figure it out, but Matt LaFleur is coming in kind of for the first time saying, okay, I have, I have the ability to control this whole thing, and Jordan's really not going to push back on much, but what I'm doing is I'm trying to build around the guys that we have, and I don't know anything about them. I know Christian, right? But also Christian was, we're just trying to slowly ease him back into, or not back into, but ease him into having a larger role, um, figuring out how to expand Romeo Dobbs' role. Figuring out how to use Jaden Reed, we don't know about that. We don't know about Musgrave. We don't know about Kraft. You know, and and I think back to uh, the Tennessee Titans. What we had heard before, where they had built the entire offense around Delaney Walker, and he gets injured after like week one, and the whole freaking plan is shot. Who are we building around? I doubt we're building around the rookies, but maybe. But what if they're no good? What if what if Musgrave's not even good enough to really? be a, a, a central part of the team, and you don't really want them out there all that much. You don't want to build an offense around them, but what if you don't, and you should? So there's going to be modifications along the way, right? We're, we're going to be week one, we're going to play, we're going to learn, we're going to adapt. We're going to play, we're going to learn, we're going to adapt. We're going to play, we're going to learn, we're going to adapt. And so, you know, I mean, again, I, I, I don't want to try to lower anybody's expectations. If you're excited, be excited. That's awesome. I'm excited. But, I mean, everything's brand new here. And so I'm excited about seeing this whole thing build its way out. And I'm hoping Jordan's the guy, and I'm hoping a lot of the guys that are here are the guy, because that means in 2024, we could potentially see an incredibly good football team. Yes, 2023 also potentially. Maybe 2025, I don't know. But all that's going to depend on how quickly can can we learn and adapt. And that's Matt LaFleur, the, the entire coaching staff, all the offensive coaches how quickly can we implement the right things which is you know we're 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 coming up with what we think is the best now with what we think we know about jordan love what we think we know about watson and dobbs and all these guys but don't really and we're going to take our first crack at this um and build out this offense so how quick how long is it going to take us to figure out what the right thing to do is how long is it going to take everybody to get on the right page, which is Matt LaFleur understanding, okay, this is the right thing, but also individual play calling within that. And then Jordan Love getting up to speed and all the wide receivers and tight ends getting up to speed. And even the the offensive line and running backs, if we're changing the way we run the ball and and the, the running backs role in the passing game and pass blocking and protections and all that, everybody's got to get up to speed. How long is that going to take? Maybe it happens quick, maybe it doesn't. And the other real big negative thing about it is potential negative if they're not up to speed and on the same page it's just going to look ugly you know i mean you're going to see passes just going soaring all over the place unfortunately sometimes probably to defenders because somebody's not where they're supposed to be it was it was a bad read by love it was a bad route by so and so it was a bad call by lafleur it was you know whatever so i i'm i'm excited about trying to run an offense the way we see Kyle Shanahan run an offense. And that is giving Matt LaFleur complete control to be the mad wizard to go into his lair and come out with something magical and just say, here's what we're doing. Now, I, I could be wrong about that too. Maybe he allows Jordan a little bit more of this, that, or the other, and Jordan starts poking holes at things. Again, I don't think that's going to be a good decision. I mean, yes, there, there needs to be some collaboration, but I think it mostly needs to be Matt LaFleur adapting what he's doing, not just saying, I don't really like this play, right? Because if we change it, remember, ecosystem, we got to reconfigure everything we're looking at here. So it's it's going to be a fun process. And, you know, we know what the end result looks like, if it's working. And I, I think we're all kind of excited to hopefully get to that point. We've got a lot of pieces to be excited about, you know, and, and different people do it in different ways. You got McDaniel down there in Miami, who, you know, I was just listening to it. They were talking about he decided he's just going to get a bunch of speed and see what we can do with it. And they're having a lot of success, just having fun with just blazing fast speed all over the place. You know, obviously things with McVeigh and LA are not going well, but that's to be expected considering everything's falling apart. But these are three guys that are in this little group of four that have had the ability to fully craft an offense. And, you know, again, we, we get to see what Matt looks like. And, and listen, it, it does put more pressure on Matt LaFleur because there's no way to fall back on anything. 
It's a lot easier to say, yeah, it didn't work because this guy won't listen to me. But what happens when you have complete and total control? You're going to blame Jordan Love and say, well, he didn't listen to me. Bullcrap. He's doing everything you tell him. So it's, it's, uh, it's go time for Matt LaFleur to be able to prove that this system is going to work and he's the one that can implement it. And um, on a week-to-week basis, look at the defenses and figure out how to manipulate them and make it all work. Anyways, why don't we take a quick break? Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so for as little as a dollar a month. Otherwise, Venmo at Packernet Podcast. Please consider checking out FertileGroundRanch.org. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. So the, uh, the final thing I wanted to touch on, and, and we're, we're doing the same thing, and that is trying to figure out where, where are we going here? What's the new look Packers going to look like? Well, the... Host of the show tried to ask the coaches where we're headed in the future, and of course the coaches didn't really want to talk about it because they don't really want to talk about where their vision for the future is. But they had Andrew Whitworth and RG3 talk about it, so I want to play a little bit of that and uh, see what we can glean from it. Things have gotten a little more in the direction of physicality, probably. Like, you know, you, you, I wouldn't say teams aren't running eye formations and running two tights and wings and stuff, but... You see this like direction of like the Giants having some success last year, you know, just trying to run people over. Philly doing it in a different way. Like it's shotgun, it's spread, it's a little bit college, but it's still that same mentality that we're going to beat you up in the middle of the field and, and then we're going to use these athletes on the edges. And so you can see there's this cycle right now to get back to, all right, there's too many cover linebackers and there's too many like tweener dbs like because everyone's needing more secondary you know more run linebackers that can run and cover and it's like all right we're going to use that to our advantage and just run the football at you and defensive lines are more built to rush the passer that that's kind of the the cycle you see it going at right now andrew whitworth is talking about the so we'll, we'll get to rg3 and, and what he has to say and what that could potentially mean for the packers but the the only thought that i had listening to that was it feels as though the Packers are ahead of their time, even though we're not really seeing it. You know, we're not seeing the most physical team in football. We've seen the Packers go in that direction when nobody else was. The Packers brought in Mercedes Lewis because no other team wanted to touch tight ends like that anymore. He was a throwback. The Packers drafted A.J. Dillon, and everybody said that this is, this is useless because the NFL doesn't utilize running backs like this anymore. Then you listen to Whitworth talk about, you know, the, the way the Eagles are built. What did we see the Eagles do in this draft? And what have they been doing? What was the big highlight about the Eagles? Their entire defense are these big, physical Georgia defenders. Who's the other team that's gone in that draft? Oh, yeah, it was the Green Bay Packers. There's really no doubt, whether it's the right move or not, 
that what Andrew Whitworth is describing is exactly what the Packers see and the direction that the Packers want to go. Now, I have been a skeptic for a long time about the idea that the Packers, now that Rodgers is gone, are going to flip as these, you know, more physical downhill running teams. You know, it's still a passing league and all that kind of stuff. But the more I listen to it, and RG3 is going to expand on it, and you see the fruits of it, of a team that clearly wants to go in this direction. And again, the reason is teams are not built to stop this. I mean, even if you look at the Bears, for example, the Bears are not a good football team. But they couldn't win passing, and so they decided, screw it, let's just run, and nobody could stop them. When they decided, we're just going to be a physical running team, and we have a quarterback that can run, we got running backs that can run, we got an offensive line that's a bunch of maulers, granted, that's not, you, you can't win if you can't throw. But you can see how inept the NFL is at stopping that. We've, we've talked before about how, you know, goal line is a joke. And Dave Wanstead talking about, you know, we used to drill this. We was, it was the lowest man, and it was pride, and, and man, you, it was a battle on the goal line. You, you can't even practice that anymore. It's all about smaller, it's all about faster, it's all about coverage. Because the offense is all about faster, speed, receivers, passing. Nobody really cared that much about running. It was get your three yards, and even, even the analytics people, what, what would they tell you? The purpose of running is simply to run. It's not even necessarily to run successfully. It's just so that you can run. We just need you to run for the sake of running because it's going to help us when we turn to passing, which is a concept that doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. But again, the data and the analytics will tell you running is, is essentially useless. And so that, that, that needs to be a part of this as well, because obviously we're not going to go all the way back to the 1940s. Passing is still the thing. But if you're going to build your entire defense on we don't care at all about stopping the run, then we're going to use that to our advantage. We're going to get bigger. We're going to get stronger. We're going to get more physical. And, and somehow you have to marry that with still being able to pass. And I think that's why you have guys like Christian Watson. We're going to make sure you stay fast. If, if you decide you're going to start bulking up or whatever, that's to your detriment. The guys like Luke Musgrave, guys like Christian Watson, you know, the more I think about it, the more I just feel like this vision of what the future of the NFL offenses look like, it's the Green Bay Packers. Again, you still have to execute, but it really is. You have a quarterback that can do all the things like Mahomes and Rodgers, but really he's just a guy that executes within the system. You focus on being bigger and more physical along the offensive line, running the ball very well. We've got a good offensive line. We do run the ball well. We've got A.J. Dillon, who's an absolute hammer, and Jones is actually quite physical despite his uh, lack of looking like he is. But then we also focus on freaks. Big and physical defenses are not going to be able to run with guys like Christian Watson. And Luke Musgrave is just the perfect marriage of big and too, too big and physical for your small, uh, undersized guys too fast for your big tackling linebackers. What are you going to do about it? And so it's sort of a hybrid now. At least this is how I envision it happening. It's a hybrid of we are a fast passing team, but we are big and physical, which I don't think was ever even executable up until recent times when you now have big guys that are also blazing fast. You used to have to pick. Now there's such unbelievable physical specimens that you kind of build toward both. So it's exciting because I, I think the Packers have been building in the right direction, and I think they have the pieces to execute this, this offense that's being described. But we just got to, again, make sure we put it together properly and then make sure that we actually have the right guys to execute it. Not just, you know, Musgrave is the right guy because he's big and fast. I mean, you still have to be a good football player. But if, if everything goes as it should, there, there's nothing in front of us that's an obstacle. I mean, it's amazing because, in a sense, we pushed pause, as I said, but at the same time, there's been sort of this building underneath. And you look at it, and you listen to what they're talking about, the future of the NFL, and you think, okay, so it's going to be, you kind of need something a little bit like this, but you still need to pass, you want to have to... Oh, wait, that looks a lot like what we have. In a football. In 2022, for example, NFL teams as a whole averaged more rushing yards per carry than they had in decades. I think that you're going to see this continue until defenses adjust and start to say, all right, then we'll play with bigger players or we'll play in heavier schemes and we'll try and stop you from doing those things. I think you're going to continue to see this this trend of teams trying to run the football more because I think you look at it, teams adjusted to the system and said, all right, we're not going to let you throw it over our heads. We're not going to let you do, yeah, manipulate us in some of the ways that you have. But doing that, that means that the four or five yard run of just simplistically hitting people in the mouth is a lot harder to defend. 
with the guys that you're trying to do it with now, you know, some of these defenses. And so I, I think that you're going to continue to see that trend happen. And, and obviously the thing that makes it so dynamic is you're starting to see so many quarterbacks that can move. And I think what we've seen in the NFL is cycles of running back usage. But all these guys, when they're successful, they run the football. RG3 is talking about Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, Matt LaFleur, and Mike McDaniel specifically. The Rams were not very good last year, and I think it's because they couldn't run the football. They just had no they had no base, they had no counterpunch. They couldn't put it all on Matt Stafford's elbow, no pun intended, because of the injury, but at the end of the day, they just could not find a consistent running game. And it's So and if you really think about it, you know, I mentioned the Chicago Bears. I think that offense should have been more dynamic than it was. Because you think about one of the worst things, and Packer fans know all too well how much it sucks going up against mobile quarterbacks. It's been an Achilles heel of our defense since forever. And most defenses, to be fair, I just think for us in particular. But every time you go up against them, you realize what how absolutely difficult it is because you constantly have to account for this quarterback... But that makes it just opens up so much more space, and that's what we're trying to create, right? It's just another way to create more space and attack space. Because if you do a good job covering on the back end, you probably create space for the quarterback to run. And if you're doing a good job of spying or, or containing the quarterback, you probably create space behind you. It's, it's, it's probably a big part of the reason why you got Kyle Shanahan. What did he want to do? He wanted Trey Lance. He saw the vision of the future of attacking on the ground, which they already do at a very high level, but it's just another layer if you get a mobile quarterback. And so, yeah, the, the, the entire NFL is enamored with these types of quarterbacks, but the, the complication is trying to find that blend of a guy that, yes, he can run and he can stress your defense with his legs, but he also is a great pocket passer or passing outside of the pocket or whatever. He's a great thrower of the football. Lamar seems to be a good blend of that, but it's kind of up and down. Last year was great, but again, two years in a row with injuries. It, it seems like they're still trying to feel this out, right? Kyler Murray is kind of a disaster. Maybe, right? There's, it, saw recently somebody posted an article about um, potentially the, the Vikings could trade for him, which I thought was hilarious, and I hope that they do that. But the idea was, well, maybe a change of scenery, right? Because nobody wants to give up on it, because they know what the potential is. It's probably a big part of the reason nobody wants to give up on Justin Fields. They know the potential. If the freaking guy could just throw at a third-grade level, we could have something special here. Everybody knows how dangerous it is. Not just how much you can get with your legs, but how much you're stressing the defense and how much easier you're making it for your offensive play callers to be able to get people open. And to be able to attack a defense, because you've got a weapon that nobody else has, or very few other coaches have. And so, I, again, as I listen to it, I think, okay, it does make more sense that the Packers would want to run more, if that's the direction that we're going, if that's the way that we're going to build. And it's not, it's not more than 50%, it's still less than 50%, but you lean on it, because this is, this is the thing where defenses are not built to stop it. And you incorporate Jordan Love, who is not Justin Fields as far as his legs are concerned, but he can move. If you incorporate that into uh, things a little bit. And even if you can utilize these things to get yourself into third and manageable situations, you know how beneficial that is. And, and you know, all this kind of ties back into uh, another idea, which is everybody understands the importance of explosive plays. It's what everybody's focus is on. I, I think one of the complications or confusions I have about it is, I, and, and I'm sure... People are smart enough to have, have had look into this, but it, it's, it's as though people say, well, explosive plays, uh, according to data, are the easiest ways to score points, right? If you have more explosive plays, then you score more points. And, and I'm, I'm just sitting here thinking, well, I hope you're also considering the extra layer of difficulty at executing these plays, right? Because if... You know, it's it makes it twice as likely you're going to score, but it's five times harder to be successful on those plays. I don't know that we're moving forward. It feels as though we're moving backward by trying to force this. So, of course, you want to build a team that's very, very good at that. But the problem is defenses today are built to stop explosive plays. That's the whole idea. So they make it more difficult. So they almost want you to do it, even though they don't want you to because they're scared that you're going to complete it. If you do it, you're playing right into it, which again brings me back to the Green Bay Packers because it feels like that's what we've been trying to do, especially with Aaron Rodgers. It's try to find a way to force the ball down the field. That's the thing. we got to force it down the field, force it down the field, force it down the field because that's how you win. We win with explosive plays, et cetera, et cetera. 
And although, again, yes, data would support that in, in a very um, uh, vacuous way, vacuous way. In other words, we, we don't factor in any other variable. You know, like the Packers, especially back in the Mike McCarthy days, where it was just constantly throw it down the field, 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 and you never execute it. Did you do a, a, a good thing or a bad thing by try, trying to drive the ball down the field? Well, common sense would tell you it was a bad thing, but what happened when McCarthy and Rodgers went to the podium? They said, well, we got we to gotta push the ball down the field more, and we're all sitting here going, no, you need to do it less, stupid. But it's, well, data says if you do it more, you win more. Yeah, but you have to actually execute it, and if you're incapable of doing that, and I'm not saying don't try, but I would love to shift your focus to take what the defense gives you, because there are benefits to that. Yes, a, a five-yard play after a five-yard play after a five-yard play is probably not the uh, the best way to go about doing it, in terms of, like, if I want to score on this drive, uh, a 50-yard pass compared to a 10-yard pass, a 50-yard pass is better by itself. But what are the odds you're going to complete a 50-yard pass? 5%? So there's a 95% chance that we're in a 2nd and 10 situation? Or we could have a 70% chance that we're in a 2nd and 5? I'm making up numbers, but you get what I'm saying. Then you also factor in how much more frustrating you look at, again, what we saw with the Patriots for years. It was not, it was not built on explosive plays. It was consistently just shoving it down your throat. And even, even the 49ers, and yes, uh, I'm sure they do a good job with explosive plays, but it's because they set those up because they're going to smash you in the mouth over and over and over and over again and force you to abandon your, your plan of, we're going to stop explosive plays. That's when you get the explosive plays. But you can't just shove it down everybody's throat because every defense in the NFL right now is programmed to stop explosive plays, to take them away. Fine, then you have to counter that. And we have the team to counter it, and now I want to see it executed. We need to run the ball well, effectively, powerfully. We need to impose our will on the line. You start from the ground and build up. You don't start from the top. You don't build the 10th floor first. You start with the foundation. And so you prove the concept. You prove that you can win in the trenches. And then, I mean, look at the Eagles. It's no different. The Eagles, the 49ers, they can beat you in the trenches. The, the Chiefs may be the exception to this rule here. And hey, if you can be the Chiefs, go be the Chiefs. Just throw the ball all over the yard and win. That's great. Again, I don't have any problem with explosive plays if you can just pull them out of thin air. I have a problem with saying explosive plays are the way you win, so I'm going to throw 20-yard passes every single play. No, succeeding in, in, in explosive plays is how you win. Not just trying to succeed in explosive plays. Trying and failing is how you lose. Incomplete passes, whether they're 50 yards or 5 yards, are still incomplete passes. You get no bonus points for average depth of target there. So, and, and again, that is fundamentally what Shanahan and LaFleur and the rest of these guys are trying to do. They're trying to find out what your defense is doing. They're trying to exploit it. Saying we need to throw the ball deep because that's what I want to do because that's how, to, that's how winners win is not a plan. It's nonsense. Yes, you want to build up to that. That's great. But ultimately, I know what you are and I know how to attack you. And if you can consistently and effectively attack a defense and, and expose their weaknesses, you're going to win the game. And I don't mind if their weakness is giving up short passing plays. And you bleed them down the field, and by halftime, they're huffing and puffing and can't catch their breath. I don't personally have a problem with that. Yes, it's going to open you up to more opportunities to make a mistake. Longer drives, you're more likely to fumble, throw a pick, whatever. There's, luck is, is, is a factor in all of this, and, and mistakes are going to happen. There's going to be a sack, there's going to be a fumble, there's going to be whatever. But especially for a team that has supposedly got a really good defense, that should give you some grace to be able to bleed them down the field. And if you score on 50% of those, and don't on the other 50%, but it's not like in the old days for the Packers where it's like, well, sometimes you score and sometimes you go three and out. You know, I, I, as long as you're keeping their defense on the field and, and forcing them to work and keeping your defense fresh, you're still winning. I don't want to panic into, man, we need the deep shot. We need this. We need that. We got the guys to do it. We've got, all, we've got speed with Jaden Reed. We got speed with Watson. We got speed with Musgrave. It's there when we need it. But let's take our time and let's set it up and let's do it the right way. And if defenses are saying the only thing we're not going to let you do is throw a 20-yard-plus pass, but pretty much anything else you can beat the living crap out of us, then guess what? Christian Watson isn't going to run a go route. 
He's going to run a 10-yard crossing route, and then he's going to catch that 10 yards, and he's going to run another 10 yards, and we just got 20 yards. And we're going to beat you up over and over and over over the middle to Musgrave, to Dobbs, to everybody else. We're going to throw short passes. We're going to throw to Jaden Reed, who's got great yards after the catch, which, by the way, why do you get guys like Tucker Craft and Jaden Reed and even Luke Musgrave, who are bigger types guys? Because you want explosive plays, but they're not letting you throw it 20 yards down the field. What do you do? You throw it 5 yards and you let them go get another 15. That's still an explosive play. We've got a punt returner. And as far as Tucker Craft, you throw it to him, and what do you got out there? A bunch of skinny 220-pound linebackers. Well, he's going to run right through your freaking face. I mean, I, 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 I'm, I'm all for data, but you got to be smart about it. You can't just blindly say, well, explosive plays are how you win, so just throw up Hail Marys every play. That doesn't make any sense. Find different ways to, to, to meet your end goal, which ultimately is winning, and, and data will tell you that explosive plays are the best way to win. Find ways to get to that point without being stupid about it and just throwing rocket balls on third and five, 50 yards down the frickin' field. Run the ball. Throw short passes, but do it in a way that's going to give you bigger opportunities. Turn two yards into nine yards. At the end of the day, it's still nine yards. Doesn't matter if you threw it behind the line of scrimmage or if you caught it, through, uh, caught it at nine yards and he went right down. And, and the way that this team is built with so many different kinds of weapons, you got this big, tall, blazing fast guy in Christian Watson. You've got a really fast Jaden Reed, who's also a really good route runner and has good yards after the catch. You've got Romeo Dobbs, who's just sort of that my ball kind of guy. He's a clean route runner, but he is a tenacious football player, and he's he's going to do the right thing, and he's a hard worker, so he's, he's going to know where to be. He's a great, just solid, do-everything receiver. You got Musgrave, who is a big, tall, blazing fast tight end. You've got Tucker Craft, who is a athletic, physical tight end. You've got Aaron Jones, who is fast, physical, great receiver. You got A.J. Dillon, who is fast, physical, really solid receiver. If your sole focus is you can't throw 20 yards, do you know how many different ways we can beat the living crap out of you inside of 20 yards? You're going to have to broaden that out a little bit. And once you decide that, okay, we also have to do some other things, that's when you get the opportunities, and that's where the Packers are locked and loaded. We have so many players that are just dying to just fly down the field, and as soon as you get that opportunity, the Packers are going to take it. But it's fishing, not catching, man. Right? You don't just throw out a cast and say, well... I guess that's it. No, you, you, you keep trying. It's going to take a while. You're setting it up. You're waiting for that moment. And then you got to capitalize on that moment. When you finally get that hit, don't miss it. But your opportunity is going to come, but you got to be patient. It's not just, hey, let's just get out here and fling it around. Be smart. Attack their weaknesses. we got all the weapons in the world. No matter what the weakness is, I can't think of a single thing that our offense should not be able to execute based on the athletic profile of the different guys that we have. From size to speed to agility to power, it's all there. We just need a coach that's going to come up with the right game plan. And no matter what the defense is showing you, find out how the best, how to best attack that and then execute. But be fluid. Don't be static. Don't be, you know, well, this is how I play. And so we, we either win this way or we lose this way. No, you, you need to be fluid. If they change, we change. It's chess. It's not that game at the carnival where you grab a sledgehammer and you smack it, and either you hit it hard enough and you hit the bell, or you didn't and you lose, and you walk off in shame. It's a constant dance, a back and forth, and you do that for four quarters, assessing, adapting, attacking. And again, we have all the pieces. I don't give a crap what Bears fans, Lions fans, Vikings fans, national media pundits say. There is nothing that this team offensively and defensively doesn't have. Yeah, the safety thing is, is, is a little, little iffy, and that may cause some problems. That's true. But offensively, nothing's missing. And they have got some of the most premier pass rush situations in the NFL. The cornerback situation is freaking primo. The linebackers, and the linebackers are another thing I was thinking of when you're talking about moving more toward physicality, even from a defensive standpoint. You know, the Packers, it's funny because I sometimes get annoyed with Gutekunst because it's like you're constantly focusing on these athletic freaks, but the more you think about it, it's kind of what you need. Because you can't abandon coverage linebackers that's that's suicide the nfl is still a team that needs linebackers that can cover but yet the team the, the the league is also moving toward physicality so what do you do you draft a quay walker who honestly was one of the better coverage linebackers in football last year surprisingly i, I completely blanked that out of my mind and then i go look at it and i was like holy crap he was actually really good at it 
but he's a physical, imposing, tackling linebacker. He struggled with it, but I think that had a lot to do with scheme. I think it had a lot to do with not knowing where you're supposed to be and all those kinds of things, but he has the attributes. He has the ability, because we draft athletic freaks that can do both, you've got a guy that can be the physical, imposing linebacker, and Devondre Campbell can too, very physical, imposing, great tackling, run-defending linebacker, that also showed an incredible ability to cover, which blows my mind. But Quay is sort of moving in that direction. And you understand the importance of it, because how rare is that? Everybody wants the sideline-to-sideline coverage guys, but... You also want to invest in a guy that can smack you right in the head, that can see an A.J. Dillon coming down the pipe and can line up and just, you know, go toe-to-toe with him. Well, that's hard to find. And when you do find one, believe me, I'm of the opinion drafting first-round linebackers is not the smartest thing. But they're hard to find, and the Packers found one, and they said, we've got a, we've got a bite right now. Because these types of guys don't come around very often. The athleticism to be a modern linebacker while still being somewhat of a throwback smash mouth linebacker and, and and again look at the lions how stupid they went to a, a throwback linebacker well we'll see if the league is moving that way and if the packers do start trying to run the ball a little bit more who are we going to struggle with more tremaine Edmonds, who had a 90 coverage grade and a 30 run defense grade or this rookie linebacker that detroit got that's like freaking brian Erlacher. i'm not saying that's what he's going to be i'm just saying he's built that way he's a downhill type of guy we'll see But anyways, again, a lot of this is just starting to see the picture, right? Uh, All the dots start to connect as you walk through. Like, oh, the the Georgia thing and how that ties with the Eagles. And oh, Quay, I I understand. And oh, this is why we draft athletic freaks, because we're we're in this transition phase where it's sort of hybrid, where we're kind of moving toward physicality, but yet we can't get away from passing because that's still how you win. It's still a passing league. But yet if you want to win and you want to attack, you have to adapt. And so, uh, 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 uh. so the picture's becoming clear. Great. But now it's, what does that look like for the Packers, and can they execute it? Now, I'm positive, as I said, we have the pieces, but we're going to have to wait and see if Matt can be the guy to put it all all together and put people in the right positions to win, and then do we have the right guys? Did Gutekunst do his job and get us the right guys to go out and execute these things? And I am very, 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 very excited to, in a very short couple of days, start getting dribbles and drabbles of answers little peeks into these things but i'm gonna leave it at that you guys have a good rest of your day i will talk to you tomorrow have a good one bye-bye